this time. We're off. Hit the right one. We're off yes. to the races. Okay. We're recording. Excellent. Nobody had technical issues. None at all. Things work as smoothly as ever here at the Podcasting Giggle because we are professionals. Gotta play it cool. Hey, Eric. What's up? Just I'm just saying hey, hey. Oh, hey. What's up, man? What's up? Yeah. Hey. Hello. And welcome back, friends. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Happy to be on the on the on the old cast, yeah. the old casting guild. That's the wrong guild. We're the podcasting guild, not oh, the casting podcast. Guild. Oh, right, right. Casting guild is like for actors. That's different. Gotta be or, specific. Or maybe fishermen. Or fishermen, that too. Get a good cast. Yep. Let's go. <laughs> Season two, episode six, a spider in the web. Yeah, before we jump into it, though, okay, we're going to have a quick aside here with a Ooh. new segment, perhaps occasional repeating segment. We'll see. As we all know here on the podcast and guild being located just off the Zocalo on Babylon 5, we don't always get the most on-time mail in the world or in the galaxy, but we do get mail on occasion from the some people that listen to our podcast. So I thought we would uh, bring up an uh, email that we got the other day or the other week a while ago. But you get the idea. Garibaldi, why are your fingers on my console? Our gremlins made another call. Did you track it? Don't make me come over there and snatch you up off that couch. It's time for mail call. Anatomically impossible, Mr. Garibaldi. But you're welcome to try. Anytime. Anywhere. Awesome. All right. <laughs> Anyways, last time on the Podcasting Guild, Andrew had a bit of an aside talking about uh-huh. Voyager and how Voyager was quite the disappointment as compared to Babylon 5. Something along those lines. Maybe I'll put in a snippet here. Oh, no. See, I don't remember saying that, so (laughs) I'm not quite sure what I said. (laughs) All right. Anyways, we got an email from friend of the pod, Dan, talking about his like of Star Trek. And so just a quick aside here from Dan. So thank you, Dan, for the message. As he notes here, he's a big Trek fan, and he feels like he has to come to the defense of Voyager and Andrew's nasty attack on it, if you will, right? Oh, boy. Was I nasty? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, indeed. In general, he thinks it's a little disingenuous for people to compare Babylon 5 and Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Voyager. He feels that they're quite different shows with different stories to tell and issues between... uh, Babylon 5 and some people saying, you know, some of the copying from other Star Trek shows, Deep Space Nine, alleged, I must note here, alleged copying. We don't have any evidence of that, obviously. But that that aside, he wants to uh, come to the defense of Voyager and how people accuse it of having forgot its premise. Um, I think you had noted that the whole thing with Voyager was the Maquis or the, the rebel group and the Starfleet group all start off at each other's throats and then all of a sudden episode five they're the best of friends or things like that so anyways we won't go through the entire email here but just wanted to uh touch on that real quick and 
come to you, Andrew, to allow you to yeah. defend your accusations here. Well, look, I'm actually not going to defend what I said, <laughs> A, because I don't remember what I said. Because if Eric put in a snippet or, you know, uh, uh, yeah, a, a bit of me talking, I, I'm not hearing it here in, <laughs> here in the recording present. But also, the truth is, I've only seen maybe 10 episodes of Voyager, so I fully don't know what I'm talking about. It's really a shame that I have any kind of platform that people listen to <laughs> about my criticisms on these shows because I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, if you're a big fan of Voyager, you almost certainly have better reasons for liking the show than I have for, like, any of my opinions. But I will say this. It's kind of silly to say you can't compare them. I Like, all right, they're different shows. You're right. <laughs> and if you were saying you can't compare the Iliad and star trek voyager i'd be like yeah you know you're probably right but two tv shows from the same era both set in space with people with alien outfits people are definitely a hundred percent going to compare those (laughs) they're almost as close as two pieces of different mediums could be you know what i'm saying but I'm absolutely not going to defend any of my comments. All of them are off the cuff and probably pretty ill considered. And I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. What was the gentleman's name who sent us this email? We'll call him Dan. Uh, his name is Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Dan. We'll call him Dan because that's his name. That's his name. Yeah. I'm sure Dan's reasons for liking Voyager are good and valid. And honestly, I'm not. I don't want to poo on anyone's favorite show. I'm more co- compared. Yeah. Just, just my favorite show. That's all. Well, you did, you did invite me explicitly to do that. Indeed. And, and I have to say, I'm not like this. You like, I'm, I, I don't like sit and watch shows and just take pot shots at, at them. It's really just because, like, that's that's what this podcast is. Right. Like, what else are we gonna say if we if we don't like make criticisms of shows? <laughs> but if I did this with every show, I'd be insufferable to watch shows with. <laughs> and now dear listeners you have insight into my life there you go (laughs) oh my god the long-suffering eric (laughs) we should do this podcast for other shows i was re-watching yu yu haka show it holds up and also doesn't hold up in some really hilarious ways well perhaps once we get through babylon 5 i can critique one of your favorite shows that i haven't seen yeah, well, that's, that's, that'd be great. I don't know. Can do Let's that. See what my favorite shows yeah. are. Perhaps, or perhaps maybe we could do a holiday special, like they do with other shows sometimes. Yeah, those those usually go really well. Oh yeah, really, like the really Star Wars well. holiday special was most excellent back in the seventies. <laughs> I remember watching that with my friends because it was the trope back, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the mid two thousands, and we didn't have fun even going into it. <laughs> expecting to watch a so bad it's good cringy kind of like we still didn't have fun Mm -hmm. it was so bad okay let's 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 talk about the babylons indeed let's do that just before we get into it thank you to dan for the email and if you listeners would like to chime in do look in the show notes and feel free to send us messages we do read all our emails we may not mention everyone during the show but feel free to send us messages, and we do try to respond as well. All right, 
let's jump back into the episode. So today's episode of the Podcasting Guild, we watched A Spider in the Web. You noticing a theme with the titles here of the episodes are getting kind of darker. <laughs> yeah, they're a little edgy, a little edgy. These, you know, early season two episodes shop at Hot Topic and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah i loved this episode one of the best episodes in my opinion Mm -hmm. one of the best episodes i really like this one honestly all the psychor episodes have a lot of them have been super super strong and this one fit in right with the escaped science experiment is becoming a god which i also loved (laughs) you know the one i often reference as the akira episode Mm mm-hmm Cure is a, a, an anime movie. You guys should absolutely watch it if you haven't seen it. No, this one was great. This one was great. Love this one. Super creepy. Yeah. Genuinely surprised me a couple different times. Oh, yeah? Which I have to say, this show doesn't do a whole lot. Because like I have two extra decades of genre savvy <laughs> that the audience they were writing for doesn't have. Mm-hmm. But you know, still genuinely surprised me. So yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, well, starts off with the captain being back to his jovial self and loving his job, unlike one of the episodes not too long ago where he actually hated his job. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a, that's true. He started off with a real spring in his step, and, uh, you know, it's good to be the captain. Yeah. And uh, we should have known. We should have known they were setting him up to knock him down because, like, the <laughs> very next scene... It's like, oh, yeah, as captain, you have to violate your morals to do some slimy shit for the government. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I have to wonder, uh, like, it seems weird to me that, and granted, Babylon 5 is a kind of a prestigious position in Earth Force. Maybe not to the other governments that are there. Like, Londo's government doesn't look at it as too prestigious, but... Being stationed on Babylon 5 as captain is probably pretty prestigious, but I would imagine that any orders that he's getting should be coming through the chain of command and not from a senator from some state in in the U.S. or something, just randomly calling him up and stuff. And this is not the first time this has happened. He's had multiple senators giving him orders, which seems weird to me. not wrong. I agree with that. And I mean, like, you know, civilian oversight of the military is a thing. And like, but... You're right. Usually these orders come through congressional committees or bills or whatever, and then through the chain of command. Right. Yeah. They don't just FaceTime. <laughs> like maybe they do when it's all secret and stuff. I don't know. Maybe. maybe I don't know. Ima- do. But, you know, maybe they do that with admirals and stuff, but I don't imagine like a lowly captain would get a message from a senator. Lowly captain. Especially the president. The president reaching out to him that episode a couple oh, that's episodes true. directly. That's true. This I forgot he knows the president. Or like yeah. <laughs> the, the president got him his job even. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You'd think the because like we're pretty sure the vice unless it's a red herring, which it totally could be, because they're being a little obvious about it, but assuming the vice president is who killed the you know, the old president. Mm-hmm. It's weird that he didn't put someone in charge of Babylon Five who like wasn't in on the conspiracy maybe but i guess we'll find out i guess we'll find out yeah what did you think of the uh the brief shot of the san diego wastelands that we saw (laughs) oh my god i i actually laughed out loud i literally lolled that was hilarious and (laughs) 
I remember you telling me something for a season that like one of the writers had a grudge against San something Diego like or that, something yeah. or like, <laughs> I don't remember exactly why. I don't know if it's apocryphal, it. but that's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Just and what I, again, maybe I was too dense to connect that to the rest of the plot. It wasn't clear what that had to do with anything. I think that's where the, uh, the contact for Bureau 13 was hiding out was in the San Diego wastelands. Oh, okay. Okay, I, I am just too, too dense. Fair enough. All right. But I do have to wonder, wouldn't you guys have rebuilt those San Diego wastelands? I mean, yeah, it would have been radioactive in certain areas, but you could have rebuilt parts of it and stuff like that, right? Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely true. I mean, it's not like Japan didn't rebuild Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They totally did that. No, it's you're absolutely right and like even cities destroyed with conventional weapons generally generally aren't just abandoned right and especially california where there's like thousands and thousands and thousands of miles of like water infrastructure to bring water from the north down to the south that really means that the places you can live in the south like where you can build (laughs) cities are the places that that infrastructure goes to yeah the writers must really hate san diego (laughs) It's like uh, we have to show it completely destroyed. I, another, another, uh, you know, writer gang disregarding the importance of civil in- infrastructure in yes. California. It's just, it just breaks my heart to see it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so anyway, the thing that Sinclair—not uh, uh, Sinclair, this other guy, Sheridan. Uh, Sheridan. The thing that Sheridan was asked to do. He was basically asked to spy on this business meeting being done between representatives of Mars government and future core <laughs> future core. <laughs> Obviously the best name of the company you could come up with. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's honestly, it's just a, you know what? Don't worry about it. Name. It's like, a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is perfect. And this was because they, they were both Mars activists and Earth was all paranoid about their schemes. Right. Scheming for revolution on Mars. That's what Earth thought was going on. Scheming for revolution. Right. But that, this is just the this is just the, you know, the prelude to the real action, which kicks off when the pro Mars activists representative of was it Mars Corps. Future core. Future future core. Sorry, future core. Get it right, man. Future core. <laughs> future core. Gets murdered. Gets murdered right in front of Talia Winters, who also knows him personally. Yes. They really make Talia know a lot of people personally and then do terrible things for those people. <laughs> yeah, they do. That like happens a lot in this show. She suffered a lot of trauma. Oh, man, she they, needs to see a therapist. They work Talia hard. Like they're like, we need this one to be a tearjerker. Quick. Have someone Talia really cares about have something horrible and traumatic happen to them. Yeah, her ex lover has to like read their mind about it. Now this guy that was kind of like a father figure to her. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Next time it will be her brother, you know, something like that. Uh, (laughs) And then they're like, all right, we need a fun episode. Let's have Dr. Franklin have a kid get murdered. (laughs) The most fun you can have. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. 
anyway so and the guy who murders her like at first just seems like a pretty basic bad guy mm-hmm. like his his hair is sort of slicked back in a way that bad guys do and he's wearing black clothing like a bad guy but then when he goes for talia and this happens in another scene a little later on too he sort of pauses and the second time this happens because she's reading his mind and anytime she's reading someone's mind they kind of read their own mind and you know introspection mm-hmm. can be scary <laughs> and so you know he kind of has this moment where he's like it's like what and then the second time they make it more explicit and he's like what have they done to me uh that's what he says yes and uh or something like that <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> And so that gives you a hint that, oh, shit, this guy isn't just an evil assassin man. He's like a mind-controlled evil assassin man. And I don't know. I don't. I, am, am I spoiling this or should we go through somewhat chronologically and, and discover it along the way, Eric? Well, one thing I wanted to note here real quick was yeah, what's up? I think we again need to question the security apparatus on Babylon 5. Because <laughs> this guy... He came through customs, first and foremost, in a yeah, big yeah. container that said classified on the side, which why do you advertise something that's classified on the side of it in the first place? Yeah. One. It's true. It's very spy versus spy. Yeah. <laughs> Two, clearly no one investigated the container to find a guy in stasis or whatever in the container. They didn't send it through an x-ray machine or nothing. And that's three, true. it was in a secure storage facility with no security guards nearby. Because the guy comes out of the container and he just walks out of there and there's no one to like, hey, what's going on here? You know, thank you for pointing that out. I forgot (laughs) the scene where they introduced the bad guy. Yeah, it could have been done better. (laughs) Yes. yeah, (laughs) It could have been done done better. They sort of had this door open and then a hand comes out. Right. And they stay on the hand for like a full minute. It felt like even longer, but, I, you know, (laughs) and. It was just a normal person's hand. Right. Like if it had been obviously a dead person's hand, that would have been creepy. Or if it had been somehow deformed or an alien hand or or something. Or if he'd seen the hand that he shows later on. Yeah, or something. But it it felt like, oh my God, there was a hand in there. And it's (laughs) like, yeah, no, I I got one of those too, though. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know that I I wasn't feeling the menace that I I think maybe they were going for there. Indeed, but nonetheless, see I I know I this podcast makes me criticize stuff. I really did love this episode. I thought this was one of the best episodes so yeah, far. It's definitely a fun one, but some fun. It was thing a fun one. To pick and pick the, on there. The, specifically the way he murders people is he has like an electric this hand thing that electrocutes people. Right like emperor palpatine style by the way i've heard i have not seen the new movies but i heard they brought emperor palpatine back in the new star wars movies which if you've heard any of my comments you'll know my thoughts on this but oh my god that is so stupid why yeah why the less said about that the better yeah let's just put it that way you know if you told 10 year old me that they would still be coming out with new star wars when i was 30 i would have been amazed right off the bat because these were movies when i was 10 these only existed as movies for the 70s right they were already old but then if you told me that they had the same bad guys and the same characters i guess they have new protagonists but ah that's just so disappointing okay 
right, that's not what we're talking about. We can have a whole separate podcast about that later on. Let's just do that later. (laughs) Yeah, I have a lot to say about that. Let's let's put it that way. We could just bitch about every everything in shows and movies we don't like. Okay, but anyway, he electrocutes people with his hand, and first he electrocutes the sort of inciting incident of the episode this pro mars activist trying to make this business deal that will lead to mars getting independence peacefully right they never really explain how and they never really explain why this guy is the only guy that can do it because it's future core yeah because future luck because future core (laughs) the other thing to note about this guy (laughs) is that when he kills or assassinates the future core ceo he oh that was the ceo yeah okay he basically is is caught saying free mars trying to make it look like he's part of the revolutionary part of the mars uh factions and so he's running around killing people saying free mars and then garibaldi comes to help investigate and things like that and has a little moment with talia in the elevator which is cute garibaldi and talia have great chemistry they do it helps that they were they were married, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did know that. And watching the scene, that definitely colored my impression of the scene. But I still think it was great. I think yeah. it was great how Talia sort of chided Garibaldi that she's grieving mm-hmm. and he's being flippant, which is good real checking it that is. like, yeah. you know, the, they, they're acting like the characters are real and their emotions are real and don't just last until the scene ends. But it was also really a cute moment where Garibaldi got through her anyway, you know, and like made mm-hmm. her laugh and stuff. So, yeah, I really like the Garibaldi Talia scenes. I like the Garibaldi Ivanova scenes too. Mm. Garibaldi is just a gem. He really is in a lot of my favorite scenes. Okay. Yeah. What were you saying? Keep going, Eric. <laughs> I was going to say that despite that, his chops of a, as a security lead is still kind of questionable because once they get Talia down, they like say, okay, well, we're going to put you under protective custody, make sure that you're safe. Um, she's walking around with one security guard. Later on, yeah. she has like five of them. Yeah. But at this point, she just has one. Why just one person when you know that? There's a guy out there trying to kill her, possibly. Yeah, I completely agree with that. They were pretty flippant. It was only much later after someone had tried to kill her twice right. that they were like, all right, <laughs> we're putting you under full you know, protection, 24-hour, right? And mm. I also felt like that came rather late in the game <laughs> in terms yes. of what had been going on. Yeah. yeah, completely agreed. And then Garibaldi does some investigations. And he goes to talk to the captain who brings up the Lazarus project and starts thinking about how what's going on might be related to this. And the Lazarus project is this whole idea of taking someone that's near death and inserting a computer chip into them to turn them into a cyborg. Yeah, which is pretty dark. Yep. Which is pretty dark. And before we talk about that, I just want to quickly touch on Sinclair. Not Sinclair. God damn it. Oh, my Lord. The real You're not my real dad. You're not my real dad, Sheridan. All right? It's a slip of the tongue. (laughs) (laughs) Look, he was finally like, oh, and by the way, I love conspiracy theories. Yeah. And, you know, this was back in the X-Files days, back before conspiracy theories were so heavily associated with Nazis. (laughs) They were just good fun. I was going to bring that up, too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Because 
Yeah, being into conspiracy theories meant something way different in the 90s. Anyway, yeah, so he's really into conspiracy theories and and secret shadowy groups. And he almost certainly doesn't mean the Jews, guys. Remember, this is the mid-90s. He probably doesn't mean the Jews. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Again, it's different than today. But yeah, he's like, I collect shadowy groups and conspiracies <laughs> and stuff. And then he get, goes in, he's like, and I'm really suspicious about what, and I'm, there's something yeah. going on. And I'm like, finally, finally, because he's played everything with such a straight face. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they've given the audience so many clues and such context clues that there's a conspiracy going on that it's like almost frustrating that the protagonists react with just little inklings of oh well maybe there's something so i found it really cathartic to have (laughs) sheridan just like let loose and be like you know this never leaves this room but i'm pretty sure this is going on and also this and also you know and i was like yes he's playing it close to the chest but he thinks something's going on and he's totally i I gained a lot of respect for him right there (laughs) Yeah, anyway, so he talks about all these things. And one of the things he found was, like you said, Project Lazarus, which is pretty dark. Basically, Frankenstein mind control, right? Right, which, you know, putting a chip into someone's head is not that far from reality. Because that's something that they're actually working on today. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it is. You know, there's working on it and then working on it. Right. I'm I'm not a neuroscientist. I don't know all that much about the brain. But I'm pretty sure that its architecture is wildly different than how we currently design chips and stuff. I would be pretty surprised if we were anywhere close to that stuff actually interacting with your brain. Maybe I'm Mm. wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, it's actually kind of funny because in the show, oh, yeah, we tried it with regular people, but it, it just didn't work out. It wouldn't connect, mess people up. So we just tried to do it with people that were dying or, or dead, and we've created zombie cyborgs now. <laughs> God, that's so dark. That's so dark. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's these kinds of like plot lines that are actually weird and creepy enough to make you go like, oh, like, I don't know. Those are the best ones. Mm. And this was definitely one of those. Yeah, the fact that they found him near death and have basically turned him into an agent working against... So he was a activist, extremist, turned terrorist before he died or almost died. Right. You know, a free Mars, whatever. But, you know, it's, it's implied that it's an extremist group. Right. Or explicitly said. So, yeah, and they turned him against, you know, they, they basically have him kill off Mars a- activists. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is pretty dark. Pretty dark. Mm-hmm. And really I don't know, makes him makes him a super interesting villain, right? Like yeah. what what more do you want from a villain? Like, you know, Terminator style killer is not uninteresting. That's great. That's fine. I love that. But I really loved this. I loved the, <laughs> you know, what have they done to me? Why is he replaying his the moment of his death over and over? That shit was really dark. Yeah. Yeah. And then it. when he had that glitch, he just like started spasming. That was, yeah. His body's fighting against the technology that's within him that they put in. And it's just pretty scary. Yeah. All that going on. Yeah, that was great. That was great. So 
couple things happen. We get annoyed at Vanova, which is always fun because she's got all these different ships trying to get out and they put a lockdown on the station. I like annoyed at Vanova. She's fun. Annoyed at Vanova is a staple. It really is. <laughs> Anytime yeah. they need to show that the station is in chaos, they have Ivanova give a terse a status <laughs> report. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's uh, good. Yeah, I, I still remember the arguing aliens one. That, <laughs> that was that good. A classic. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, annoyed Ivanova, a great, a great, solid annoyed Ivanova scene. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Because basically, because they locked down the station because they're looking for the killer. Right. And then I thought we also got one of the best Garibaldi with his men scenes. I wish we had a lot more scenes like this. I thought I wish this is how they regularly handled him and his mm-hmm. crew where he mentions a few of them by name yep. and actually has a brief scene where they discuss the tactical approach and the plan. So often the scenes, it just starts with them coming down the hallway mm-hmm. with VIPs in the front, right? <laughs> right. Sinclair and Garibaldi right out there in the front and their yep. men behind them to avenge them <laughs> as they get mowed down first. Yeah. Uh, it's usually how these scenes with Garibaldi and his boys go. So mm-hmm. I really liked that he actually talked to them a little bit. He talked to them like they do this all the time and they speak the yeah. same language and they know what each other is saying. I thought it was really effective. I don't know why they didn't do that kind of stuff more often, especially with the lieutenant that betrayed him. Having yeah. two or three scenes like this with that guy would have made the betrayal hit so much harder. Yeah, I okay. agree. I've bitched about that ad infidium, so I'll, I'll drop it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think that if you look back on the first season, you do see that actor that betrayed him in the background a few times, but he didn't really come to the foreground like they have done with the actors recently that are on the security crew from that standpoint. Uh, while you're mentioning them talking, you know, tactics of how to engage things, why didn't they secure the room in the first place before they even sent her in oh there? Oh my God, why did, they, why did they just go in? yeah. Why did they just go in? Just be like, yeah, you know, look, we'll sign a confidentiality agreement. But, you know, for security reasons, you know, someone literally just tried to assassinate her like right. two times in a row in the last two days. So <laughs> it, it was insane to me that they stayed outside. I was like, guys, guys, have some genre savvy. This is the Babylon 5 equivalent of, you know, having sex in the abandoned cabin in the horror movie. <laughs> it's just like a little genre savvy here, y'all. I mean, not even that. You would think with any VIP, you're providing security for them. Even if you're not going to be in the room the entire time, you still secure the room before they even go in. You know, like, okay, we're just going to check the room, make sure there are no bugs, no you know, things lying around here. And then they'll come in and do their thing, right? It's true. Yeah, no zombie cyborg assassin. Yeah, yeah it's come true. On. They didn't even do a sweep. In fact, the more you think about it, the more baffling it is. Because yeah. the two people who were the most involved with the recent assassinations are going to meet together. Right. And they at no point think, Hey, I bet this is a situation that the killer is immensely interested in and (laughs) may have even orchestrated. Indeed. Indeed. (laughs) Yeah, no, it is. It is absolutely uh, insane. (laughs) They just stood outside. (laughs) And then later, I think Sheridan calls him as like, uh, he's in the room. Yeah. And Garibaldi, to his credit, kind of acts like, oh, of course he's in the room. Yeah. I really should have realized that. Because, yeah, you should have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
and then we get a hostage situation and there's actually a good hostage negotiation by sheridan there where he like talks him down and tries to calm the situation down yeah terrible form by garibaldi what school of hostage negotiation tells you to give them your gun right to disarm yourself and give your gun to the hostage taker that yeah I'm sorry, that is not not good form there, Garibaldi. And then after he hands him his weapon, he starts threatening him. Mm. It's like, you know, Garibaldi, a great time to threaten someone is before you, you hand them your gun. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, Garibaldi. Not your finest hour. But yeah, Sheridan does do a good bit of hostage negoci- negotiation there. And... I don't know. It wasn't clear if the guy was suiciding by security officer or Mm. if he was like, well, if I'm going out, I'm going out like a extremist, I guess. I think it was more the former than the latter because he had the clear first shot and he missed pretty badly. He didn't even graze the captain or anyone. He just shot over their heads and... Then Garibaldi responds, or I think it was Garibaldi, but um, that's true. He did, he did miss, and he had first shot. So I imagine it, like he had clearly been turned against his own cause, and he didn't see a way for himself back at the moment, and so he just wanted to end it. And he had obviously been suffering because he had been reliving his trauma of yeah. death for oh who knows God, how that long. Poor guy, that that that's really a dark. It's <laughs> like really. Uh... Yeah, really dark. I don't know. I don't know what, what other adjective to describe it. It's just he was yeah, turned against his own cause that he believed in mm-hmm. and basically has to relive this the moment of his death over and over again. Yeah, which is a byproduct of the process they put him through to keep them alive, to allow the machine to do its thing in their head for whatever reason. Man, you know, this show is pretty critical of I don't even know what I don't even know what I'm forming my idea as I'm saying it. It's pretty critical just in general of of sort of institutional violence Mm -hmm. of governments and organizations. It really has a lot of focus on how it chews up and uses up human lives. Yeah. And and a lot of the episodes focus on the human waste, not like excrement, but the waste products in terms of broken humanity that comes out of these institutions, especially, especially when it, when it comes to the psychor. Yeah. And there was an maybe even darker moment at the end of the episode where Sheridan asked Talia, well, what did you see? Yes. And she was like, Oh, I saw his death and everything like that. But she forgets to mention or she neglects to mention. She does that not forget. So, yeah. Sorry, she ahead. saw the surgery where he was brought back and she saw there was a side cop there, a side cop officer there monitoring it. And so her loyalty is still the psycho, even though she's yes. doing all these things and she covered for them, even though she saw what was going on. She lost her lover to them. <laughs> she lost her mentor to them totally but she remains loyal to the this government i mentioned there was two things in this episode that really surprised me this was one of them and they foreshadowed it really well Mm -hmm. i was shocked and then i was like oh yeah they meant there was a line earlier in the episode with uh talia's loyal to psychor above all else yeah i think it's when ivanova is telling sheridan that that ivanova or that um winters is Talia is is mostly cool and you can trust her but she's really loyal to Psychor and so this line was perfectly in character but I was the same way I'm like like damn damn 
to see that cold ass truth and to be like, no, I didn't. I, that's all I saw. Sorry. I can't yeah. help you. She didn't tell Sheridan. That was a sign of Talia. Cause like, you know, most of what we've seen of Talia is her crying over the horrible things she's seeing in the, in the minds of people she cares about. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so this was kind of a surprise that, Oh, she's actually, uh, she could be pretty hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a great moment. Very surprising. Great development for Talia. Really makes me a lot more interested in her. I didn't really care much about Talia, honestly. Mm-hmm. But that yeah. scene made me made me sit up a little bit and be like, oh. Yeah. And then the last scene of the episode shows her trying to investigate who that oh, person was that she true. saw. Yeah. And she finds that that person is quote unquote deceased. Yeah. And then it cuts to that person responding to a message from Bureau 13. <laughs> yeah. That was great. That was a great ending. Yeah. I thought, and I just realized this wasn't the case. I actually thought the person was the other person involved in that deal. No. But no, that's not the case. That she didn't have a scar on her cheek. Yeah. Okay. I thought there was a crazy twist at the end of this episode. But it turns <laughs> out there was just a little tidy uh, twist. Yeah. Or, a little know, twist. Not not a big one yet. Something, just something. A little. Okay. Man, what an episode. What an episode. I loved it. I thought the villain or antagonist, whatever, the threat was great. You know, was, you know, another sort of really awesome example, I think, of how to use an entity like the Psychor in interesting ways. And like, you really felt for him. But also, obviously, he was dangerous and he like murders people and stuff. I love this episode because of what it did to Talia and when she covers for the psychor at the end that was pretty intriguing yeah makes me really wonder if she's actually a good guy yeah i was all about this episode i thought this was a great one mm-hmm. yeah very interesting developments in the series obviously a long-running thread of the whole psychor now we're getting some conspiracies that are starting to come to light and developments with some of the characters like talia so who was your favorite character in the episode Man, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm tempted to say Garibaldi, but I always say Garibaldi. Maybe I should go with Talia. You should go with good old Talia. She really, yeah, yeah. I think I think I'll give this one to Talia. I think she, I thought she did a great one, a great job in this episode. Yeah, I think the the Psychor is one of the strongest plot arcs that they have going on. Honestly, a lot of their best episodes have been Psychor episodes. Yeah, yeah, definitely good buildup. And, you know, there's a sense of intrigue there with Psychor. You yeah. never quite know what's going on with them. And now we're questioning Talia's loyalties. Where does she lie? So character development for her is in a big way in this episode. Um, totally, totally. It has a really great enemy within mm-hmm. vibe to it. Yeah, it does. It Agreed. Does. Any other thoughts on the episode before we uh, take a look at Science Corner? No, no, I don't think so. Yeah, one one of my favorites. Probably my favorites definitely in season two so far. So yeah, that's, 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 I think, what I'll end with. And there you have it, folks. There you have it. All right. Well, before we wrap up today's episode of Podcast and Go, we're going to have a quick aside over to Science Corner. I'm escaping to the one place that hasn't been corrupted by capitalism. Space!
Thank you, Tim Curry, for the introduction <laughs> Thanks. as ever. Thanks, Mr. Curry. It's really nice of him <laughs> to like stop by. Oh yeah, great every, friend uh, of the pod. Every month like that, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, actually, a couple fun things to talk about from a science corner perspective. Firstly, the Artemis mission was a success. It returned back to planet Earth. A few days ago, uh, successfully landing in the Pacific Ocean, the capsule has returned, and uh, we're now preparing for Artemis two to send people back to the moon. So that's fun. That is fun. Love that. That's very fun. Yeah. How exciting would it be to be one of those people who's going to be sent back to the moon? Oh yeah, like that would be really oh, cool. Man. I think there are plans to send the first woman to the moon on that mission as well. Uh, so we're gonna have some more history made. In the space program, awesome. which is really awesome. Cool. But in perhaps even bigger news, and slightly adjacent to space in general, is the developments in fusion technology. This is kind of more Andrew's area of expertise, being a man of physics, of course. <laughs> so it, it definitely yeah. isn't. My background is in <laughs> biophysics, but okay. Yeah, okay, not nuclear physics. Okay, <laughs> not really. I mean, I you know I know the basics, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is exciting. So they finally uh, announced that they achieved an energy positive fusion reaction. Right. Which is huge. So like we've been able to achieve fusion for for, you know, half a century or more maybe. It's not all that hard to achieve fusion, but normally you have to put a huge amount of energy in to push those atoms close enough together to get them to to fuse right. to actually touch and get a little energy out but if it's not energy positive it's just as they say a science experiment not a revolutionary uh, energy source mm -hmm. and so just recently scientists announced that yeah they were able to generate about i think it was like three three and a half gigawatts of output on like two gigawatts of input yeah which is pretty freaking cool yeah, it is. It is. It is pretty cool. We've pretty now made another cool. another milestone here. Now, I did do a little more digging into it to get a little bit more specifics on it. And so the amount of energy directly put into the atoms produced the extra energy when the atoms fused. However, the entire system still took more energy to generate that energy because there's loss energy going on as you're True. generating it yeah. particular facility that this happened i think the lawrence livermore facility if i remember correctly uses lasers to create fusion and those lasers again they input the specific amount two gigawatts or whatever the number was and they got a little bit more out but there was heat loss and other energy loss as they were generating that energy to put into that so the next step is to generate a system or to get a more efficient system that you can actually get energy gain out of the entire system, not just the energy you're putting in to the atoms, which still big milestone, big step. That is a great point, Eric. And one of the big challenges with fusion as an energy source is that it's not just this hypothetical thing happening in, in, in the mind and in the vacuum of space. It has to be an actual system. And saying it generates energy is all well and good, but you need to actually make that energy do a thing somehow spin a turbine right <laughs> you know which and like believe you me if you start 
fusing stuff next to a turbine, it's not going to spin anything. It's just going right. to melt your turbine. So you need to get the energy in a usable source. And that's actually not really non-trivial. And the energy released in fusion reactions comes in a bunch of different varieties. There's heat energy, there's released neutrons, there's all mm-hmm. kinds of different things that the energy is going into. And harnessing those takes different kinds of engineering. So the designs I've seen mostly capture energy on the escaping neutrons. There's like an envelope around the reaction and they slow down these neutrons and slowing them down captures their kinetic energy. And that is basically turned into heat. Mm -hmm. And that's how they then... It's it's so funny. It's so funny that all this technology is still to essentially boil water to create right. steam to spin yeah, a steam I was turbine. On that. The same technology that we've been using for two hundred years, and it's just like okay, yeah, but we use mind bending physics to make the water boil, guys. <laughs> yeah, there was I forget wild. what it was, but. There was a comic I saw some time ago, and it was like scientists like, oh, we developed all these cool things, and we need to figure out how to harness them. And there's an engineer in the background who's like, you're not going to believe this, guys, but I have a great idea. And it's like, steam. We'll just make boil water and make steam. Like scientists yeah. are like, ah. <laughs> it's true. It is. It's absolutely wild. We haven't found a better, like a more efficient way. It, it just turns out steam is actually quite efficient. Yeah quite efficient uh you know at transferring energy it's wild anyway yeah so that is exciting yeah what this development does is it's no longer theoretical we now know for a fact that we can generate more energy than we put into it now it's become an engineering problem in terms of how we develop system efficient enough to harness that energy and get an overall net positive gain from it and once we do that we have maybe reached the point of limitless free energy which could change the world Who knows? i mean let's not let's not overstate things here so another <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna rain on your parade eric another important thing to consider another crucial limiting factor in this technology is the actual materials right. used in it deuterium is pretty common deuterium occurs naturally tritium is extremely rare And there was a time where I knew how it was produced. I think it's a byproduct of some things. It's a byproduct of nuclear fission predominantly right now, but there are other ways. That's right. That's right. I think storage facilities will have elevated amounts of tritium in the water. That's true. Yes. Yes. Nuclear storage facilities. So super limited supplies of that. The envelopes of a lot of these reactors use beryllium to slow the neutrons down and capture the heat. A brilliant sphere, if you will, like they had. Oh, and, and, and by the way, West. I read somewhere that there is the, the world's reserve supply of beryllium would not be sufficient to build even a single commercial reactor. Yeah. So there's like serious. There's still you know, engineering practical to issues to sure. solve here. And something can absolutely be theoretically possible. I mean, the truth is, we've known that energy positive nuclear fission or fusion has been possible i mean it's what it what it's how stars yeah exactly and so it's it's only ever been a matter of can we do it efficiently enough we know that concentrating the right elements into a small dense enough 
thing will produce fusion. The question is always has always been, can we do it efficiently enough? Right. And part of the efficiency question is not just on the energy side; it's also on the materials and the cost side. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, great, you can you can generate ten times as much energy as you could from a solar farm or a nuclear plant, but if it costs you a thousand times as much. Well, right. that, that doesn't add up, does it? That doesn't quite work out. So yeah, it is really exciting. And honestly, it's not something I was sure I would see in my lifetime. Like energy positive fusion reaction is huge. I don't want to downplay it, but there's still a lot of steps from this. Yes. And it's not obvious that all the steps will be successful. It's not obvious that this is the future, but it could be. It's, mm. it, you know, it's possible and it's super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Very exciting. That's what I think about it. <laughs> Man, it'd be cool. Science is cool. Science is cool. Science is cool. Yeah, we'll see. More and more emerging technology relies on these exotic materials mm -hmm. that exist in like in increasingly scarce quantities. Yeah. The days of the, the early 20th century where someone would invent something and you could build a factory to churn out thousands of them, that's just not going to be the case with everything. We're already encountering severe restrictions on lithium supplies mm -hmm. and things that, that we use in our batteries and stuff. Yeah, it'll really be interesting how rare earth materials sort of shape the future of, well, I don't know, I guess everything really. But, well, uh, yeah. they're rare on earth, but... They might be a little less right out in the cosmos. So maybe we'll get some mining out in the asteroid belt yeah. or something. Who knows? I think that is very actually quite likely to happen, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Again, it's just a matter of efficiencies. It's like we know we could do it. You know, we know it's possible. Almost for sure we know it's possible. But you know, you can't throw infinity money at it. You have to throw <laughs> an amount of money at it where you can like presumably make more by selling the stuff you're mining that'll be another very interesting thing to see but like if only someone had 44 billion dollars lying around oh to lord. spend on something useful oh lord <laughs> oh my god that's not a commentary on anything that's just observation if you will oh my god what a <laughs> clown <laughs> I don't even want to, like, that's not what this podcast is about. No, but no, but yeah, it is. I mean, I don't know. Space is cool and it excites a lot of people, understandably. Mm -hmm. And some of those people are jackasses, but that doesn't make <laughs> space any less exciting. Very true. Very true. <laughs> All right. Anything else on Science Corner? I don't think so. Oh, oh, the uh, James Webb Telescope found galaxies farther away than it was expecting and farther away is synonymous with older galaxies or er earlier in the universe they didn't think galaxies would form that early so there's some new questions on what's up with that what is up why, with that yeah how <laughs> what what exactly about the theory got it wrong which is yeah. which is always good news it's always interesting that's how science works is like it's never exactly right it only gets more right over time and sending giant new telescopes into space to get new data is one of the ways that you figure out what needs to be corrected so that's pretty cool and perhaps this is the first step in correcting einstein's 
law of relativity so we can go faster than the speed of light. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Yes. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, I, you know, that one, uh, <laughs> there's only so far you can correct something that's actually been used to engineer stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. It can only be so wrong. <laughs> or the thing it's been engineered with wouldn't work. <laughs> it's true. Specifically, this is true. The thing that, that uses relativity is GPS satellites. GPS. They need to account for their relativistic speeds in order to be sufficiently accurate without accounting for that they would have a resolution of i don't remember exactly it's not good it's like a couple kilometers yeah their margin error would be really bad which you know in the scheme of things if you're in orbit that's really precise right mm-hmm. it's still like True. you know extremely extremely precise but when you're driving in a car and you're trying to know what off ramp to take yeah, on a human scale, it's not very useful. It doesn't work so well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. They have to use the relativity in their maths to figure out where stuff is mm-hmm. in order to be sufficiently precise. Yep. Fun fact. All right, now I'm done. That's all I got. <laughs> this is a long one. Well, yeah, we're teaching people about the galaxy. That's what we're doing. That's true. That's true. You know, a lot of our audience probably knows a, a way more about this. Than, probably. You, know, you think about... Maybe, you know, people who like Babylon 5, there's prob- probably some NASA engineers. Probably like half our audience is NASA engineers, you know? We're probably like superstars at the NASA Control Center. Yeah. Probably like, guys, guys, much. guys, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. It's the Podcasting Guild, all right? Podcasters yeah. Guild. It's Eric and Andrew, shut up. Speaking of which, NASA, if you're looking for another astronaut, I volunteer. Just want to let you know. I'm, I'm ready <laughs> yeah. to go if you need someone to pilot the space shuttle or, or space. Oh, man. I wanted to be an astronaut when I was a kid. I'll say it. I even went to space camp. <laughs> I still want to be an astronaut. Yeah, I'm with you, Eric. Yeah. Hey, guys, I also volunteer. In fact, pick me first. <laughs> I volunteer first. Eric edited this. What? You can't trust him. <laughs> yeah, man. That'd be cool. Oh, that'd be so cool. Yeah. So, so cool to go to space. It'd be cool to go to space as like a tourist astronauts need to actually work in space and that would mm. be lame imagine going to space and still like having a job and responsibilities you know you still have to like get up early yeah. and like do work and like you know report to your boss and stuff <laughs> <laughs> oh man anyway All right. get a little silly here well it is getting to the uh, end of the evening and the end of our episode here on the Podcasting Guild. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, y'all. This was a fun one. And thanks for sending your emails. Send us more emails. Send us emails. Maybe, maybe maybe not as many that, you know, come after me for my ill-considered opinions. <laughs> but, you know, if you want to say nice stuff about me, definitely send those emails. Yeah. So if you'd like to send us an email, check out the show notes for that. Uh, the next episode we'll be watching of Babylon 5 is a race through dark places yet another ominous naming uh, (laughs) of episodes there so that's the next episode we'll be watching for the podcasting guild coming to your ears in the near future can't wait for those of you that celebrate happy hanukkah and merry christmas to those as well that celebrate and happy kwanzaa as well as we're getting to that time of year for for kwanzaa too so it is the holidays uh we'll be coming at you again in the near future and with that andrew any last words 
Yeah, happy happy holidays, y'all, and uh, a good eating to you. A good eating to you too.